Well, it is great to see everyone who is back with us tonight, and we in just a moment are going to be taking a moment to open up and look at the Gospel of John, but I can tell you about something that has been on my mind uh, for, for various reasons, and if you want to buy me lunch, I can tell you more about why I'm thinking these things, or if you don't want to talk about it all and just want to buy me lunch, I'm good with that too. Um, isn't that right, Ronnie? I'll let anybody buy me lunch anytime, any place. Dalen, is that a true story? Yeah, I know. It's a problem I have. I'm working on it. But here's, here's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. We need more people to give their life to the proclamation of the gospel. We not only need more people, we need our best people. We need people who have other options in life to give up on some of those other options for the sake of Christ. We need men that are willing to take those steps. We need, we need women that, that are willing to walk with their husbands in those steps. We need homes that are raising sons and daughters that, that will promote those steps. And I know that the answer for every Christian is not to become a preacher. Paul says that the body is varied and has varied gifts. Not everyone should be a preacher. That being said, we need more people who have great talent to give their lives to the proclamation and the advancement of the gospel. We need that. Now, all that being said, I want to show you a picture. You know that guy there? Anybody know who that is? Anybody know who that is? No? I see a lot of heads saying no clue. That, well, that's not John Renfro. That's Charles Renfro. Right? And that's Miss Martha, I believe, almost 50 years ago, if I was told right on your very first Latin American missions campaign. Now, about 10 years after that, almost 40 years ago, Charles and Martha picked up their life and they moved halfway across the country because they believed in the power of the gospel. They believed that there was a work that was going on that was worth them changing everything in their life. And don't think that was easy. We've all been around and heard, and heard Charles talk about how great Missouri was, right? Everybody's heard. Don't think it was easy. Don't think that, well, you know, good riddance, I'd never want, never want to go back. But they picked up their whole life and their whole family and moved, might as well be halfway around the world because they believed, they believed in the power of the gospel. I love that story. I'm telling you that story. I'm telling you because, and, and Charles said we couldn't have a little thing for him, so I'm working it into my lesson tonight because I think it's a story that our children need to hear. I think it's a story that my children need to hear, that we need to hear. I'm telling you that because we need more people who will do just that. At the end of this week, Charles is going to be retiring after 40 years. After 40 years of working to advance the gospel. And before I ever came to Forest Park, I got, I got, to, I got to have some interaction with, with Charles when we lived in Anna, Illinois. You remember that, Charles? 
So many years ago, the phone rang. A small church, I'm the only one there. I answered the phone. There's this guy who's, who wants to talk to me about Latin American missions. And he's not going to hang up until, until I say, well, why don't you come to services tonight? Came to services on Sunday night. And Charles came and he talked to us. He didn't, we didn't let him preach. I didn't really know who this guy was. But, but he came and he talked and he talked and he talked and he talked about the work that was going on. Now understand, this was a little small church. We didn't really give money to anybody. It wasn't because we didn't have money. We just didn't give money to anybody. We gave Charles some money because, because of the passion that was there. Because it was very much brought across that if you don't support this work, there will, souls, there will be souls who will be lost. Believe that. Conveyed that. It's that passion that has driven Charles, has driven Martha. And I just, I just want to say thank you to what they continue to mean to the Lord's work, not just the work with Latin American missions, but to the Lord's work. And I want, I want us to think about that as an example. How do we produce more people who are willing to leave everything? I'd like to see some doctors quit their practice and preach the gospel. I'd like to see people walk away from, a, from an, additional, an, an additional $60,000, $100,000 a year in order to preach the gospel. I'd like to see that. You think that's realistic? Do you think that's realistic? I think a lot of people don't think that's realistic. So what, what possesses someone to do that? Here's the conclusion I've come to. You have to truly be in love with Jesus Christ. You have to believe. You have to believe what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. And, and we, we've been preaching through We've been preaching through, through Colossians, or we did a few months ago. But, but you have to believe what, what Paul is saying there. If I could even turn the right way in my Bible. When Paul says that all things have been created by him and for him. See, if I really believe that, then it grabs hold of me. Now, we struggle with getting people to come to worship on a Sunday night. And there may be many reasons why we struggle with that, but, at, but, but, but at, on some level, it's because we don't truly believe that all things are created for Him. We don't really believe that our lives are created by Him and for Him. If we did, there's a lot of things we struggle with that we wouldn't struggle with. I want us, I want us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. So throughout this next year, our theme, our theme, it really comes from our theme that we decided on for Yes Weekend, but I want it to be our theme here at Forest Park, that we're going to be heavy on Jesus. I want us to know the Lord. I want us to love the Lord. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are to run the race with endurance and run it Run the race that is set before us. How do we do that? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. We as individuals, we as families, we as a church, we have a need to fix our eyes upon Jesus, 
And there are many different ways that I want to try and promote that idea amongst the body here. But one of the ways, one of the ways that, that, that we're, we're, I'm excited about this, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but we are going to spend a lot of time in the Gospel of John. So if you want to know what, what we're preaching on next Sunday, you read the Gospel of John. We're going to spend all year, and it's, it's not going to, I know sometimes series can get, can get carried away. This is, this is not a series. But this is an, an endeavor. This is an endeavor for us as a body to allow the inspired words of God to teach us about the Son of God, to help us know not just about Him, but to help us to truly know Him. We're going to go on a journey through John on Sunday mornings. We'll be heavy, heavy on Jesus. Now, when I say that we're going to learn about Jesus through the Gospel of John, one of the, and I want to use this lesson as, as sort of an, an introductory time to, to think about these things, but, but you understand that, that we have four Gospels. And the Gospel of John is, is different from the other Gospels. But, but sometimes people will say, well, why do we have four Gospels? You know, when it comes to the history of the church, how many books do we have? Well, just, just one, right? It's not like we have the book of Acts and then we have another book of Acts. It's just we have the book of Acts. That's our book of history. But when it comes to the life of Jesus, we have four different books. Sometimes people wonder, well, why is that? And it creates a lot of conversations. How come, how come this guy tells about two people being here and this guy talks about one person being here? How come he includes this and he leaves this out? But, but over here, he seems to be going in a different... Those are all very real questions, right? That sometimes, and even complications that come from having multiple accounts of the life of Jesus. Why is that? Well, just in short, it's to help us have a complete picture. It is very hard. It is very hard to, to, to understand who a person is by only looking at one, at one aspect of their life or at their life from, from a certain perspective, right? Um, if, 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 if I was to say, um, tell me about Jonathan Garner, and one of your students was to write a story of Jonathan Garner, Right? That's kind of, I mean, we're laughing, right? And we're like, whoo, we're kind of nervous at the same time, right? But at the same time, if we had your mother write the story of Jonathan Garner, and we also had Thomas write the story of Jonathan Garner, which one of those is really, you're looking forward to that, right? Yeah, right? Don't worry, he'll write one on you before we get done. Which one of those really is Jonathan Garner? Well, well, they're just snapshots. None of those are complete. You ever, you ever take any of those personality tests? Maybe the, the Myers-Briggs or, or maybe the, the Facebook special? And, and you'll read that and you think, yep, that's got me pegged right there. But, but in the back of your mind, but, but not, not totally. Like I'm somewhere right on the line between extrovert and introvert. Okay? So, so I, I come out, I am an extrovert. But there are sometimes I just want to be alone. It's not, it's not an absolute. So if you just say, well, you know, Wes is an extrovert, so that means he just loves to be around people. That's not always true. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm, I'm more complicated than that. You're more complicated than that. Jesus is more complicated than that. So, so what we have in the Gospels is this more of a complete picture 
They also help us to verify the truthfulness of, of the message of Jesus. And I think they're there to, to, in many ways, reward the diligent seeker. That I want to know more. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal when, when, you, when you begin to fall in love with someone? And you remember that when, when you get married, you know them, but I want to know you even more. And there, there are those things, and we, we call it intimacy, right? Where, where, we, where we become, we, we are able to know someone more and more and more. Well, that's what the Gospels do. It doesn't mean you can't read any one individual and say, I know Jesus. But when you take them together, you're going to know him on a much deeper level. The Gospel of Matthew, you, you probably, well, the very first thing that I think about is that it's the Jewish Gospel. It's written by a Jew, and it's written to Jews. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Jesus being the Messiah. It's a, it's a very Jewish concept coming from the Old Testament, right? There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in Matthew that is about the Scripture being fulfilled or the prophecy being fulfilled. You're going to have a lot of Old Testament. I've always thought if you're going to understand the book of Matthew, you better go back and study the book of Isaiah. Because to think you can understand one without the other, probably not. But the, but the readers of Matthew, the hearers of Matthew, they knew all about the, book, the prophet Isaiah. They knew all about the things that he had said. It's also a book that gives us, in many ways, an anti-Jewish sentiment. It's kind of interesting to, to see where it talks a lot about the Jews, but, but it, of all the Gospels, is... Listen, it, it, it's, the section, it's the section of the people will talk about when you come to, to the crucifixion of Jesus and Pilate is trying to figure out what, what do we do with Jesus and they want Barabbas and he says, so what do I do with this man? And there are these lines, there are these lines like Matthew 27, when all the people, all the Jewish people answered and said, his blood be on us and on all of our children. Oh, you remember you remember when uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ came out? What do people say? It's anti-Semitic. Why'd they say that? Because he quoted from Matthew, right? So, that, I mean, Matthew comes from, that, from this very Jewish perspective, but also at the same time showing, what one, one person I was listening to, they said showing the, the gritty side of Jesus, or the real, or the human, the human side of Jesus. Because there are constantly instances throughout the Gospel of Matthew where he will share something and you'll think, I don't believe I would have shared that. Everybody have stuff like that in your family or in your life? It's very real, but, but, but I don't know that, I mean, all the way from the genealogies where he's explaining that there is this person in my family and that person in my family. You read about the, the controversial uh, virgin birth. You read about the children being slaughtered. I mean, on and on. There are things in Matthew that if you're just trying to paint a beautiful picture, Matthew's probably not, not your book. But if you're trying to paint a picture of a man's life in reality, the humanity, Matthew, from that Jewish perspective, is definitely it. Mark is the shortest of all of our Gospels, but Mark, well, Mark, Mark is, is, is in a hurry. It's kind of like, anybody ever read Cliff Notes? Anybody ever read Cliff Notes? When you're, they don't call them Cliff Notes anymore. I don't know what they call There's another name for them. Um, 
I don't even know. I would never do something like read the cliff notes. I read something else. I don't know what they're called. But, but, but to understand Mark, is he, just, he just keeps the, the, the story moving, right? You, you, come, you come into Mark's, into Mark's gospel, you don't, you don't read about the birth, right? You read about John, boom, ministry of Jesus. Like we, we don't have time for those things. And it's, so it's very bold and it's very aggressive. Uh, so, some people think that Mark has a, a particular help in certain cultures where, where, they, where they value th- that sort of approach. Like they don't have time to beat around the bush. Uh, mainly we look at the acts of Jesus instead of the sermons of Jesus. Uh, it devotes a lot of time to the suffering of Jesus. And, and we see that in those 16 chapters of the book of, in the book of Mark. Luke, well, Luke is our detail man, right? Luke, Luke is going to, when we talk about Luke, the, the physician, as he writes to Theophilus, Luke is a, the Gentile author. He's slow and he's steady. He's going to focus a long time on the parables. He's going to focus on the Holy Spirit, upon women, upon the plight of the poor. I mean, this is kind of a kind of a drawn-out book. We're, we're setting down to give an account. By the way, I mean, it's, it's drawn out. There's a part two, okay? That's the book of Acts. Luke writes the book of Luke, and he writes the book of Acts. He writes them both to Theophilus, and it's like we want it. You could take them even, even together. Well, sometimes we, we call these books the, the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke Although there are some differences, they basically tell the same story. And they tell the same story over and over from a different point of view. Right? So some, and people talk about the synoptic problem and issues like that. But, but that's really what's going on. We're going to focus on John. John is different. Over 90, 91, 92% of the gospel of John is unique. You don't, read about, you don't read about the things that you read about in the Gospel of John and the other Gospels. It is, in some ways, a very simple book. It's one reason I enjoy reading from, from, the, from the Gospel of, of John. It, it's, it's an easy read, okay? Um, when you are a, a Greek student, if you've ever been a Greek student, then bless you. Um, I've been a Greek student twice, never again. Um, Long stories, I won't digress. But, but when you first started, start translating Greek into English, do you know what you're going to be translating from? Probably John. Probably John. It, it, it's a pretty simple book, right? There's, there's a lot of contrast of there's the dark and there's the light. There's good and there's evil. There's those who believe and those who do not believe. So it, it really is... Like I said, it's interesting and simple to read, but at the same time that it's simple, it's incredibly profound. And that's one of the things I love about the Gospel of John, that you can read it from almost any, any level, right? Our youngest, our youngest Christian can read the Gospel of John and learn about Jesus. I'm just telling you, I think, I think a lot of our young Christians would struggle with Matthew, because there's a lot of context there. But with John, it's really simple. But at the same time that it's simple, it's incredibly profound. It's kind of like when we talk about the fact that God loves the world. Isn't that a simple statement? Isn't John 3.16 one of the simplest, one of the simplest passages in all the New Testament? Of course it is. Isn't it also one of the deepest passages in all the New Testament that you can just dwell upon? 
Well, that's what's similar to what you'll see in John. It's powerful to the early reader, but also to the most mature. We won't see parables. So we'll be, we'll be talking about parables, and maybe on a Sunday night in a different context. John, John doesn't get into the parables. The other, the, other, the other gospels do. We don't see demon exorcism. We don't, we don't see the healing of lepers. We don't, we don't see uh, Jesus sitting at, at, at tables with sinners. We, we don't see his infancy or the temptation of Christ. We don't even see the transfiguration, which is interesting because one of his great themes is that of the glory of God. And you would think if there was a passage, if we're going to talk about the glory of God, you would want to talk about the transfiguration wherein his glory was revealed. We'll talk about why, maybe. I'm not going to be dogmatic. Why not? Maybe you have a good answer for that. Doesn't contain the Sermon on the Mount. Doesn't even have the institution of the Lord's Supper. I'm telling you, it's different. The Gospel of John is different. But, for all the things that it doesn't have, the Gospel of John has some things. The Gospel of John has some things that, I forgot I had PowerPoint. The Gospel of John contains some things that the other Gospels don't. We, we read about Jesus' baptismal ministry at the Jordan. Even talking about how Jesus and his followers would have baptized more more than John's disciples. Well, if you didn't have the Gospel of John, you wouldn't know anything about that. I still have lots of questions about that. But don't think that, that baptism or the baptism of Jesus, it didn't, it didn't start in Acts chapter 2. You, you, you think about his encounter with Nicodemus, the idea of being born again, or, or the Samaritan woman, and that living water that he tells her about. Those things are unique to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John helps us in many ways to have a better understanding. If you only had the synoptic Gospels, you might think that the ministry of Jesus lasted maybe about a year. But the Gospel of John is the reason that we think that his ministry was probably from three to three and a half years. Do you know why? Well, because in the Gospel of John, we read about three different Passovers. Three different times that Jesus made the trip to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So it has to be at least three years of time that, 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 that's going on here. Well, th- there's, there's a lot that is there. But all of these things are trying, are trying to get us to this central point. This is John chapter 20, okay? This is John chapter 20 where John actually says, this is my goal. And we'll, we'll pick up with some of this next week. But in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, we have the theme verse for the book of John. This is the point I'm trying to prove. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples. Yeah, no kidding. Even from the other Gospels, right? We've already talked about all the stuff that he left out. How can you have the account of Jesus and not tell about him healing lepers? John did, all right? Because that's not my purpose here. These things which are not written in this book, but these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if you believe that He is the Christ, it will lead you to everlasting life. If you don't believe that He is the Christ, if you don't believe that all things were made by Him and for Him, if you don't set your eyes on Him as the perfecter of our faith, it won't change you. But if you do, 
It will change everything. Lots of different people have talked about different ways to look at the gospel of John. One of the ways that sometimes people talk about John is to talk about the seven signs. It's a book of miracles, right? Um, many wonders, many wonders that, that, he, that he performed. Well, these things, they're not just there for, for, for fun. They're not just there to give us something to tell about in, in, our, in our Bible classes. There's a reason behind them. So when you read about Jesus turning water to wine, we're going to read about that, right? But what's the point of that? The point of Jesus turning water to wine is, is not to give us an opportunity to talk about alcohol and the evils of social drinking. That's not the purpose of that passage. It is to point us to the fact that this is the Son of God. It is to make us step back and say, what? What did he just do? No man can do that. We read about him healing the official son or healing the, the paralytic at the pool, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing a, a man that was born blind, even raising Lazarus from the dead. And all those things, he's telling us those things for a reason. Sometimes um, I will, I will proof, I'll proof uh, my children's papers for school, and they'll put stuff in there, and I, my, my comment is, what's this have to do with what you're talking about? Like, I know this is a true statement, right? Maybe even interesting, but what in the world does it have to do with your thesis statement? Right? That's, we all struggle with writing in that way. These things are not there just, ah, it'd be interesting to throw this in there. No, they're there to convict us. They're there to overwhelm us. That when we talk about Jesus, we're not just talking about a man. We're not just talking about a good man. We're talking about deity. We're talking about the Son of God. Some people will read this book to, to follow a theme of the glory of God. Uh, I've seen others who have, who have went from the perspective of the, the difficulty of being put out and that conviction to, to not be put out, right? To be put out of the synagogue, to be put out of the family. Because Jesus is going to experience all those things. He's going to go to Nazareth. They're not, they're not going to accept him. His own brothers, they're not going to accept him. Even, even when, you, when, when, you, when you see the, the blind man being, being healed, his own parents said, well, he's healed, but I don't really know how it happened because they feared that they would be put out of the synagogue. So there's one of these themes that we read through. It's just prevalent of what's going on here. We, we could think about the story of Jesus from a very controversial point of view. In the Gospel of John, we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of Jesus saying things that, they don't make the situation easier. You ever been around somebody like that? Maybe you are somebody like that, okay? Um, and and this, is not, this, this is not your excuse to not have tact because you don't want to do harm either. But I'm telling you over and over, Jesus is going to say things that, that they're just very hard to hear. You think about Nicodemus, right? He's talking about being born again, and Nicodemus says, uh, how can these things be? And Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? I mean, you want to pull that into your Bible class next Sunday, Thomas? Like, what? You've been a member of the church for 40 years? You don't know what I'm talking about? What is wrong with you? That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. You, you can, I mean, you can just keep going, right, to, to the Samaritan woman and all the difficulties of what it meant to be a woman and to be in Samaria and all the things that were going on in, 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 their, in her life. And 
Jesus, Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have well said I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. Thus, you have said truly. Okay, <laughs> it just got real interesting. Interesting may not be the word. Most of us want to crawl into the pew when that, when that kind of stuff comes up, right? That's what Jesus is saying. You, you could read about the, the feeding of the 5,000. Isn't that a great, a great account? He feeds 5,000 people, and we come down to John 6 and verse 26. Jesus looks at all these people, 5,000 people. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had 5,000 people show up next Sunday? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd be, I mean, we had 500 people show up. I'm just going to tell you, I'd be blowing social media up, okay? 5,000. Jesus looks, looks at all these people as if he could write a book on how to lose friends and run people off from church, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus said, the only reason you're here is because we're having a potluck. Why does he do that? I mean, you can just kind of trace all these things through John. It's this theme of Jesus is cutting, cutting to this point that we have some real spiritual issues that need to be confronted and need to be talked about. Jesus does that. Sometimes people talk about the I am statements of Jesus. That's all coming from the gospel of John, right? And so, and so you talk about him being the bread of life. The one in whom we truly learn to depend the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, the true vine. All of these things are part of the picture that John is trying to give us of Jesus. And why are we talking about these things? Well, because I believe that when we truly have an understanding of who Jesus is, when we truly understand His nature, when we truly understand who He is, it will change us. It will impact us. That we, we won't struggle with some of the things that we're struggling with. And if we are dependent, I'm thinking about this from the perspective of a preacher, and why I'm going to really strive to be a lot more textual based. If, 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 we're, if we're waiting for the preacher or the Bible class teacher to have just the perfect words to motivate us and to change us and to provoke us, that's not going to work. It's not working. It's not working in our world. But to believe that the truth of God's revelation is powerful, that these things, these things will penetrate right to our soul and change our lives, I think that's the solution from everything from our Sunday night uh, worship attendance problem to more five-talent men becoming preachers of the gospel and everything in between. It will change us. So the invitation for you tonight, the invitation, well, it could be to, it could be to pick your family up and move halfway across the country. It could be just to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time to be born again, to confess your sins, to be baptized into Christ, to give your burdens to Him. Why? Because He is worthy. I believe that. I believe that He is worthy. And we will show that in everything that we do over the next few months and years in this pulpit.
Let us give our lives to Christ. You come tonight as we stand and as we sing.